Besides My Neighbor Totoro, is there any one Studio Ghibli movie that has a more iconic soundtrack? Well, I honestly don't think so. And that movie is Howl's Moving Castle. Let's talk about it on this episode of the Gaming and Chill Podcast. This episode of the Gaming and Chill Podcast is brought to you by Humble Bundle. Humble Bundle is an online game retailer. Each week, they have brand new bundles that last for only a limited amount of time. And with Humble Bundle Monthly, for a flat fee each month, you gain access to over $100 worth of games for only $13. A game I received was Soul Calibur 6, which normally retails at nearly $60. And I got it and several other highly rated games for the low price of $13. If you love games as much as I do, do yourself a favor and get Humble Bundle Monthly using the link down in the description or by using the link on our website. Not only will you be getting amazing games for yourself, you'll also be able to support the podcast. Back to the show. At first, I wasn't going to do this movie as early as I did. I, If you hadn't noticed, I actually skipped Friday, partially because it was my and my brother's birthday, but because I was convinced I thought I needed to read the novel for this film. And as I thought about it over the weekend, I thought, well, that's not the way we do things constantly. We base a movie based upon that movie, or a book based upon that book. If you have to read a novel to understand a movie, well, then the movie is just not well written. If you have to watch a movie to understand a novel, well, then that novel is also not well written be honest now that being said i'm not saying if you watched lord of the rings fellowship of the ring and then went and watched two towers that it's two towers was poorly written what i mean is that if a standalone movie requires something else to understand it then there's something wrong with that movie and the more i thought about howl's movie castle the more the things that didn't make sense started to make sense thinking about them and reflecting Over almost nearly an entire week, I've been thinking about Howl's Moving Castle and what it's about, the themes it carries, everything. And I can say that I think it's better than I originally gave it credit for. When I finished watching it, maybe it was the fact that I started watching it, or finished watching it, I should say, at around midnight. I finished it and I was like, there's a lot of things that don't make sense. And talking with a friend, I was almost convinced that I had to read the novel for that. And I don't want to do that. That's not the way that we do things. But I continued ruminating on it, and the more it started to make sense, I looked at it differently through time. Granted, a week is not a long time considering that the movie came out in 2004. But I thought about the characters and their motivations more. And the more it was things that I thought needed to happen didn't really need to happen. Motivation didn't need to be known, for I knew their actions. So, there's a lot of things in this movie that maybe, just maybe, if I had read the novel, maybe they would have made it a little bit different, or I would have understood it sooner, 
or I would have understood it very differently. Reading some of the differences between the novel and the movie made me quite aware that the movie was more about war than the book ever was. That some characters were portrayed differently. And that's okay. I think that this the version that I'm talking about, the movie Howl's Moving Castle, is really good. It speaks to the pacifism that is the dominating philosophy of Miyazaki. Pacifism. Yes, some of his films have been about war, Porco Rosso, speaking specifically, Nausicaa, but if you stop and think about it, each of those movies is streaked and or completely dyed in the color of pacifism. Porco Rosso didn't want to be part of the war. He left. The village, the valley, the village in the Valley of the Wind in Nausicaa was a village that was left out of the war but was forced into it and was nearly destroyed for it. In this movie, the castle is destroyed because of war. Nations are torn apart because of war. And using some of Miyazaki's love for flight, if you haven't noticed, a lot of Miyazaki's films have flight in them. It showed that flight, while awe-inspiring and beautiful, can also be used for war. A lot of times are used for such great destruction. And it's interesting, because we often don't think about how flight is also tied with power. Flight is literally the power over gravity. We're basically looking down at the earth and looking at gravity and saying, no, I'm doing my own thing. It's power. And that's what war is. Power. The use of power over someone else. And that's what that movie, this movie is about. Two nations going to war over a missing prince. That ends up not really being missing, but just transformed. It's interesting. The pacifism thread comes right through. The main character, Howell, doesn't want any part of the war. Call it cowardice. Call it whatever. But he doesn't want to be a part of the war. And you see that a lot in a lot of American uh, material. That if you didn't want to fight in a war, and this was right around the time of the Second Gulf, uh, the war in Iran, Iraq, Enduring Freedom, and things like that. If you didn't want to fight in that war, some people would consider you cowardly or something akin to that. But in my opinion, it's a lot harder to be a pacifist than it is to be a fighter. It's hard to say, as much as I want to fight, as much as I want this, I'm holding to an ideal. I'm holding to my moral compass of not wanting to fight. It's a very Taoist um, philosophy of just letting things go. War is nothing but people clawing and fighting over things, land, money, possessions, power. We need to let those things flow. Money is gained and it's lost. Power comes and it goes. Everything ebbs and flows in life. And war is just forcing the balance to one side or the other. In that, it's not being balanced. You can almost weirdly take that as an allusion to the moving castle in this film. Yeah, it's a moving castle. It's cool. It's awesome. But if you look at every depiction of it, it's huge, right? It's ginormous. 
This this huge castle, and if it's out of balance, falls. Now that may be low over. It may be looking too deeply into things, but sometimes it's important to look into those things like that. Being balanced is very important. Too much of a good thing, and you get spoiled. You get greedy. You get indolent. Too much of a bad thing, and you're filled with rage and hate and anger. You really have to live in the balance. And in this film, two nations are war. Staying in the middle of them is what Howell wants to do. He doesn't want to fight on one side or the other, as they both want him to. He wants to stay out of it. He wants to live his life. And he actively interferes in the war to stop it. But eventually, he has to take some form of action. And it's not the fight in the war. I'm not going to spoil it all, because that's, again, not really what we do. But looking at the themes of, like, there is so much taken in this film. There's a young woman who's turned into an old woman, but still the hero. Still a main character. Many times in films and media as a whole, old characters are seen as soothsayers and crazy people. And that's really about it. If media depicts old people, they're crazy, or they're the wise old man. Much less old women. They're not often used. They really aren't often used, especially in a lead role and a non-comedy role. Yeah, you've got things like The Nanny with Fran Drescher's grandmother and mother, who are comedy pieces. You've got Golden Girls that is a drama and has comedy in it. But you don't have an action-adventure fantasy film with an old lady in the lead. And this one does. Yes, the character is technically younger, but magic transforms her into an older woman. And she doesn't try and pretend to be young anymore. She accepts that she's old. She moves right along with it, rolls with the punches, accepts it as it comes. And through that, she's able to be the catalyst for this entire film, making characters see things that they didn't see before or feel love, as some of the characters do. It's interesting because, again, you don't see old ladies in a position of being the lead of a movie. And this one, it does. It directly contrasts the young ladies and kikis or spirited away. It directly contrasts those because... Those were young women leading the plot. And now this one is an old woman leading the plot. In the early 2000s, late 90s, having women protagonists wasn't really a huge thing. And Miyazaki did it back to back. He didn't just let the status quo be young adventure, young man territory. He he wrote something that he earnestly believed in. And yeah... He took a risk. Being anti-war, being pacifist, right at the height of the Iraq war, wasn't popular. It could have tanked this film, but it didn't. This film was nominated for a lot of awards. It's a lot. And I highly recommend this movie. Yes, there will be some things that you may not understand because, well, maybe it wasn't explained super well, or maybe you're like me and watched it super late at night. But I highly recommend this film. Of the Miyazaki Chronicles, I think this might be up there. Watching all the Miyazaki films has given me a new appreciation 
for him. Yes, it's legendary. Yes, I loved his work. But watching them week after week after week makes me realize how much growth and how much change and how much he writes his belief into it. He doesn't write a story and then go, how can I jam a message into it? He writes those characters with that message on their heart. And I think that's incredibly important. As I said last week, having a message played out through the characters, it's what's important. Played out through natural dialogue is important. Don't shoehorn something in because then all it does is appear shoehorned in. Shoehorned in. Let's try that. Let me know what you think of this movie down in the comments below. Be sure to share this podcast with your friends. The more people hear it, the better. And uh, I can't wait to hear back from you. And until next week, I hope that you have a wonderful week. Peace. Thanks for tuning into the Gaming and Chill podcast. We hope you liked it. It would be really helpful if, on your given listening platform, you were to leave a comment and give us a rating. For more on the Gaming and Chill podcast, you can visit our website at www.gamingandchillpodcast.com. And from there, you can read anime and game reviews that are not on this podcast. You can also find links to all of our social media where you can follow us. Thank you again for tuning in, and we hope to hear from you soon. Cheers!